Hey, you're listening to Naptime Investigations, a true crime podcast. What we're about to discuss is likely disturbing and contains mature content with the use of adult language and the occasional mom joke. Listener discretion is advised. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Naptime Investigations or Twitter at NTI Pod. We're your hosts. I'm Taylor. And I'm Amanda. We're just a couple of internet mom friends who like to talk about true crime and conspiracies when we can get our children to sleep. Thanks for being our kind of person and joining us to talk about what normal people think is inappropriate for small talk. <laughs> it's us. It's us. So uh, today we're going to talk about Asia Degree. Oh. Little baby Asia. Baby Asia. Mm-hmm. So Asia Degree was born August 5th, 1990 to Harold and I Degree. She had an older brother whose name was O'Brien. Cool name, by the way. Haven't heard of first name name O'Brien, but love it. O'Brien? Mm-hmm. Even I like love the that. Apostrophe. Yeah. Love it, actually. Um, O'Brien, that was her brother, and he was about two years older than her. The family lived in Shelby, North Carolina. It was a pretty rural area on the edge of like Western Charlotte. So Charlotte-ish area, but Shelby, North Carolina is where they actually lived. She, She had a fairly normal childhood. They were super religious, a little, how do I say this? Uh, secluded almost. They were, they they didn't have like a boatload of friends. Their parents kept them busy. They were with family a lot. They went to church. They played sports. Um, Aisha was a basketball star on her team. She was super good. Oh, I love watching little kids play basketball. It's so cute. She's so, she was super cute. She, that's, she didn't have much time other than her extracurriculars and school and everything in between. So on February 13th, 2000, It was a Sunday and it was a normal Sunday. They went to church that morning, like they do every single Sunday, which I I remember growing up and going to church with my grandparents on Sundays. So um, that was like the most relaxing time, like getting up and just hanging out with my grandparents. I didn't have to clean. I didn't have to cook. I didn't have to study, do homework. I could just like chill out. And my grandparents would be like, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, um... Lunch after church and toast, and then this after church and this, and I want cake, and they'd be like, "Okay," and I'm like, "Yes, got it. It's lit." Hence why we chunky. Facts. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So, like, this was a normal day for them. They after their after they went to church, they went to their aunt's house to eat lunch. Like I said, they were always around family, very close knit family. So the kids were enjoying their Valentine's Day candy that their family had gotten them. Like I said, it was uh, the 13th. It's my wedding anniversary. Wow. Yeah. Um, not 2000, though. I was not 2000. <laughs> I hope like, not. <laughs> I was eight. So, <laughs> so they were enjoying. I remember I wrote in here, like, I remember my mom always getting us candy for every holiday. So I remember, oh. like, my mom always getting me, like, valentine's day candy and valentine's day gifts and i just remember like the really shitty gummy red hearts that i would eat and like you remember the little standy the standy the uh strawberry candy yes oh 
So I, I just picture like the kids running around in like a full house and in a Sunday lunch of deliciousness and, you know, very wholesome. Not what my house looks like on Sundays these days. Same. Naps and goldfish. No lunches. <laughs> so Harold, the dad, had to go to work after church and he was going to a second job actually. So Aquila took the kids home after they left their aunt's house. Aquila and Harold had a pretty regular nighttime routine, very structured, which included a nightly bath followed by bedtime at that was like 8.30, which loved this for them. I am a pretty strict scheduled mom and, and love it, love it. I'm totally not and I need to be, I wish I was. I wish I was. I'm so bad. I'm just like, oh, you want to stay up till 10? Sick. Let's watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. I know. I, not with Miles. Miles goes to bed at about 7, 7.30. Maddie, on the other hand, she's like, you want to eat popcorn? I'm like, sick. Yeah, let's eat popcorn. Like, how am I supposed to tell my kid with a dead ass face that eating popcorn at 9.30 at night is not a good idea? Because it's a great <laughs> fucking idea. You saw, you saw it. Like my son, I would just be like, cut bedtime. And he'll walk. He's he like, all right, bye. Bedtime. Damn. I have to, I have a fucking fight with my kid. No, I don't play those games here. I love it. I love it. Not into that. So yeah, I, I admire the dedication to their schedule here. I'm a very scheduled person and so are my children. So, but this night it was different. They actually couldn't take their bath that night because their power was out. It was in an apartment complex. So the, the apartment complex whole power was out. So they didn't have hot water. So they couldn't take their bath. Um, there was a nearby accident like down the road, which took out a power pole and et cetera. So the kids skipped their bath, but they were still in bed around 8.30 still. So they just got to kind of hang out, probably sneak some more candy. Cause that is for sure what I would do. Same. So Iquila says that Aisha went to bed wearing a white nightgown that had red trim on it and her hair was up in pigtails. I can like picture this like early 2000s white ass nightgown. Like I just. So it reminds me of the little girl in the Polar Express. Mm-hmm. Bringing me back like vividly. Like I'm like remembering this because this is, I mean, she was 10 at the time I was eight. So it was like a very similar age-ish. So the next few hours are a bit there was different accounts. So the next few hours, uh, not super sure, definitely what happened. So from 8.30 to 2.30, that that was, we are for sure that Aisha went to bed at 8.30, not super sure what happened between 8.30 and, and 2.30. There was some conflicting information out there. But at 2.30, Harold, I'm sorry, at 12.30, Harold did get home and he confirms that the power was Confirmed that the power was on at the house at this time. A few sources said, so once again, I want to talk about this was 2000. Internet wasn't popping yet. A lot of this was news articles. Not super sure if it was speculation or misreporting or anything. So that's kind of where the differences. Area. <laughs> yeah. There were a few sources that said that Harold's next moves are he gets home, he watches some TV till about 2.30 a.m. And then he goes to bed. But then another source said he comes home and then he runs back out to grab the kids some more Valentine's Day candy, which 
they already had some. So that's where I'm, I, I, how much candy do these children need? Not super sure. He comes home, he runs back out for more Valentine's Day candy, but he still goes to bed around 2.30. So each story is saying that he's going to bed around 2.30. So he's either coming home watching TV, then going to bed, or he's coming home, running out, and then going to bed at 2.30, which I also wrote right here. Like, this seems a little odd. Like, if he was on his way home from work, why wouldn't he just stop to get candy? Also, who's open at that time to get Right. That's really weird. Well, Walmart used to be 24 hours, depending on where they were at. In 2000? Yeah, I feel like they were they were 24 hours for a very long time. I mean, um, I grew up in Vermont, and we didn't even have a Walmart till like, 2007, oh. probably. Yeah, we definitely had them for a very long time. So there was a version of the story that says Aisha was actually up watching TV, dressed in her regular daily clothes, not the white nightgown that we talked about, when Harold got home. And in this version, he told her to go to bed. I don't super believe that this happened, but if it did, I didn't want to leave it out. Um, that just seems like an odd, and like I said, all of this information. I definitely was, think it's odd, yeah. Um, also, like, why would she be dressed in her regular clothes if she knows her dad's going to come? You know, that's that right. just odd. I did hear in a podcast about this, um, I heard this in the podcast, but but I couldn't find the article that actually said this. So in my opinion, it's unlikely that it happened, but I, I just wanted to mention it just in case that was the actual account of what happened. So Harold um, does check on the kids before he heads to bed at 2.30. That is something that he confirms in every story. 2.30, he's heading to bed, but he, he pops the door open to their room. They did share a room and he did say that they were both sleepy in their bed at this time. So 2.30, Harold confirms that both children are in their bed. O'Brien does say in a, in a later interview at some point in the night, he does wake up and sees Aisha up. And he just kind of thought that, um, he, he said that she was like going to the bathroom and, and whatever and didn't think much of it. He did say that he heard some movement in her bed and he assumed, this was another account. So in addition to her going to the bathroom that night, he heard some movement in the bed, but he assumed that she was just kind of moving around so he didn't turn around. I mean, sharing a room with a sibling, I'm sure that that was a, a normal thing. If not Definitely. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recall growing up and sharing a room with my sister. If I probably wouldn't have batted an eye if she was moving around or whatever. Or even went to the bathroom. Like that's... Right. Normal. Right. Exactly. So on February 14th, the following day, this was the Monday, at 4.45 a.m., I quickly gets up and it's still a little bit earlier than normal. She made sure to set her alarm earlier because the kids had to take their bath before going to school. So they had to be out of the house around 6.30 for school. This is really early, but. Eh, maybe not. I mean, depending on, you know, if they had to walk or sure. take the bus or whatever. I think that was pretty normal. We had to walk to school and we had to leave pretty early when I was growing up. Yeah, I had to leave pretty early too. Uh, but I assumed it's because we had a commute. But um, I asked my husband, he was like, yeah, no, that seems normal. And I'm like, Ugh, yeah, it was terrible. Well, not looking forward to bring the kids to school at 630. Zero out of 10. So I call this is that she goes to the bathroom and starts the bathwater. She goes into the kids' room to wake them up, and O'Brien was sleeping under the covers, and he wakes up as soon as Aquila calls to him, like a good son. I, I do that too now. I did not do that as a child. I would be like, 
Um, but as soon as she realizes Aisha wasn't in her bed, she started searching for her in the like throughout the house everywhere. And she looked everywhere she could think, but she couldn't find her. And this is when she realized that Aisha was not in the apartment. Aquila woke up Harold and told him that what was happening, that she couldn't find Aisha. So they both quickly got dressed and went outside to check the cars and, and start calling family members. So they even checked um, Harold's mom's apartment, Aisha's grandmother, who lived like across the street almost, like in a different, I think it was like the same apartment complex, just a different building. Like a, a different unit or whatever. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't find much about it, but they lived in very close proximity. So that's what I'm guessing. So after confirming that she wasn't with her grandmother and they called the aunt that they were with the day prior, uh, Aquila said that that's when she started to panic. She called her mom very distracted and disturbed and, and her mom told her instantly, like, call the police, what are you doing? Don't call me. Um, this was very unlike Asia. So she was like, something's wrong. And that's when the police were notified. I was able to actually find the 911 call transcripts on the webs on the web sleuths. So take this with what you will. I'm gonna paraphrase here. Um, so Harold was actually the one who called. My biggest issue with this transcript was Harold's um, had a hard time giving them their address, but he could have just been distracted or distraught or you know his daughter was missing. It was definitely yeah. I mean, they you never really, know how you're going to react in a situation. Sure. So you can't really judge too much. I would guess it's around six o'clock, a little bit after maybe, um, because they, she got, uh, Aquila got up at four or five forty-five. you know, they were looking so probably six or a little bit after, but with that being said, I do want to note that he had just gone to bed at two 30. So he was probably dazed and just not, not all there. Yeah, absolutely. I probably wouldn't be either. So that, I, well, I did see that, but a lot of people in the web sleuths were talking about that. And they also noticed, or they, they also said that like, when he was trying to spell Aisha's name, her full name, there was, he had to like, he was fumbling around with some letters too. Once again, he's working on like two hours of sleep. His daughter's missing. We don't know. It's definitely suspicious, but, mm-hmm. um, cause, and again, I've not been in a situation like that so I can't say how I would react I would like to think that I wouldn't forget how to spell my child's name but yep. you don't you, know, you never know so her middle name was like Jaquil I think Aisha Jaquila Jaquila Aisha yeah Jaquila so I mean like that might not be the most common name oh definitely not um and I do think it was the middle name that he was um fumbling on so he says in the in the um, the phone call, a neighbor actually saw Aisha walking down the road, which I thought was odd as well. So they had talked to neighbors and stuff at this point. The police were actually, they arrived at the house very, very soon. So they were at the house with dogs searching by 6.45 a.m. So that is literally an hour from when Aquila wakes up to when they get there searching. Oh, wow. So they were on their shit that morning. But unfortunately, the dogs didn't pick up any of Aisha's scent, which I find odd if she lived there and, you know, they weren't able to, even in the search, like the the police weren't able to find anything, not in the home or the surrounding areas. Police searched the home like it was a crime scene, but they didn't find anything and no evidence that anyone but the family had been in the home 
was found, even everything was pointing to, even from the beginning, that Aisha actually left the house purposely and by herself and by her own free will. She was 10. I just want to remind everyone that. Um, so her backpack, her purse, some clothing, and some sneakers were actually missing. A neighbor wow. saw her walking down the street, like we had said that Harold mentioned in the 911 call. Um, the neighbor saw her walking down her down the street by herself earlier that morning. Not super sure what time. I couldn't find that. But the police did say that they were really starting to believe that she left on her own free will and by her own accord. That's what everything was pointing to. And that she was even maybe probably planning this for some time. Her and her brother shared a room and there was no way that she would have been able to get up, get dressed, pack her stuff and grab all these things without waking, waking, waking up her brother or anything. So despite the police um, saying that she was, they believed that she left on her own, her parents were really not believing it. They were like, absolutely not. They know my, I know my daughter and this is not her. They said that all of this was super out of character for Asia. They really thought this because the kids lived a almost sheltered life like we kind of talked about. They didn't do much other than hang out at home, see family, go to church, all those things that we said. Um, they didn't even have like a computer or anything and they, they weren't allowed to watch much TV even. So that's weird. I mean, not that they're not allowed to do that, but just that. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. So her parents, um, Aisha's parents actually even said that Aisha was afraid of the dark. She was afraid of being alone and she was afraid of storms. And coincidentally enough, she left at night, which was hint, hint, the dark, the dark. Right. And it was actually storming that night. So, so that just lessens the chances that she would have even left. Yeah, so it like not only were they saying like this is unlike her, but like she left in the dark, she left alone, she left in a storm. Like those are all things that she's scared of, and and on top of that, she was a almost shy kid. So it, why would she leave alone, not really knowing anyone other than family? You know, it just didn't add up. So the cops were leaning towards her being a runaway, but this would have been odd for the reasons that we just talked about listed above. Plus, statistically, children don't run away before age like 12, 13, and typically not from a stable home like she was living in. The environment was, was pretty good. The police believe that her, like I said, the police believe that her bag was already packed in advance and that she was prepared to avoid waking up her brother. And even her parents, you know, she knew that her dad got home at 2.30, like she was confirmed to be in bed at that time. That's a pretty short window, especially if she has to get up early, like that wasn't planned, you know, is it possible, and I don't mean to, like, put things out there if they're not already out there, is it possible that the dad is saying that he checked on her but never did just to make himself feel better? Because, I mean, I can see that doing that as a parent, being like, I absolutely checked on my child. Sure. I absolutely checked on my child. But then never maybe actually doing, you know what I mean? I'm sure it's possible. I didn't read anything of that. I mean, I will say I am the first one. I don't check on my child. Once he goes to bed, like, no, because if you make eye contact with him, he's never going to sleep again. And, you know, like, I don't want to wake him up opening his door. Like, there's a few times that, like, here and there, I'll go in his room to put something in there or whatever. And he'll, like, 
look at me like the fuck you doing in here mom so i i don't i'm sleeping i don't check out my child so i watch i watch my kids on the camera but yeah i mean other than that yeah, I know. I don't no, I, go in there. I, don't but go I, I also there. know that at the time that probably wasn't a thing. Sure. Yeah, well, and I think we're older too. You know, ten and twelve-ish. Right. So go back to sleep is probably sufficient. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, that that's super possible. I'm sure. A motorist actually. So there's reports that a motorist actually started seeing a young girl walking on the streets that met her description around three thirty a.m that night so the night that she would have went missing and she would have been about a mile away from her house at this point where they saw her walking the opposite direction um they reported that she was wearing a long sleeve white shirt and pants this lined up with the clothes that were actually missing from her room so the fbi and the local police are confident like confident that this was actually asia who was walking i mean without knowing true details i probably would agree <laughs> yeah um so another motorist so a separate motorist actually saw her and was concerned so the guy actually turned around to see if she needed help and sh- so um when he, he said when he pulled up that he rolled his window down and she was clearly scared and she ran away into like the nearby tree line and i do want to know that all the doors were locked when her parents woke up, but Aisha did have her house key. So not super alarming, you know, that- Right, yeah. Um, she did have that house key. So um, I don't know why I put it there and not elsewhere, but you know. Searches expanded, but nothing was found. There was, there was really no trace of Asia. And so fast forward to February 17th, that's what, three days after she went missing, police ended up, at a home off Highway 18, where Aisha was last seen by the motorist, um, they started talking to the, an owner of a home. The, it was a woman. And she said that on the 15th, so the day after Aisha went missing, she found a Mickey Mouse hair bow and a green marker. So a Mickey Mouse hair bow, a green marker, and a pencil in her shed. She didn't think anything of it. The police actually obtained permission to search the shed. They found some candy wrappers that matched, that actually matched the candy that her parents said that she had that day for her Valentine's Day candy. And other than that, the lady reported that the lady and the police reported that nothing else was found. I do want to note that I couldn't find what the lady did with the things she found prior and if they were able to get DNA off like the hair bow and all that stuff. Um, but her parents did say that all the things found Aisha did have so it wouldn't have been surprising if they were hers and that's all that goes on for a really long time so August 2001 18 months after Aisha went missing a contractor is cleaning off some of his land the man is digging and he finds a black trash bag and he knew it was suspicious from the beginning And it contained, so the big black trash bag contained an additional trash bag inside that actually had Aisha's backpack inside of it. What? This was confirmed to be hers by her name and her number written on the inside. So this was for sure Aisha's backpack. Shut up. 
And the guy didn't really think much of it other than it was weird because he knew he didn't put it there and this was his land, but he continued to work. I mean, he did keep the backpack, but didn't super think anything of it. Thankfully, he mentioned this to his wonderful wife because he had no idea who Aisha was or what was going on because he's an oblivious man. But like snaps for his wife because instantly she was like, we need to call the police. That is that missing girl. She has a true crime heart. I'm just saying. Shout out to you, lady contractor. So they contacted the police to search their land and... The police didn't find much. They were able to dig up some animal bones, some men's khaki pants. The pants were actually sent to the FBI lab for testing, but I'm unsure if they were able to find anything. It's unclear if these pants had anything to do with Aisha's bag or if they were found near them or where they were found or anything like that. But other than the backpack, it seems like nothing else was on this land. And this land was actually um, 20 plus miles from her house. And in the opposite direction from where she was last confirmed heading towards. So this is not anywhere near where she was last seen or anything like that. I'm not super sure. I don't know if I wrote it in here, if I saw it, but I don't know where it was in comparison to where the hair bow was found. But um, I would imagine it's a good distance just based on the other markings that we know. So Aisha's family believed that she was probably, she probably left the house by her own free will. They finally accepted that and that she probably met the wrong person along the way and something happened just because of this is kind of where the evidence was pointing. Investigators said they considered Aisha's disappearance to be a criminal matter and foul, foul play is suspected specifically because her backpack was found in, in the manner that it was found. I do want to talk about like how it was packaged. Like, I'm curious if whoever put it there was trying to preserve it, if they were just, I, I don't, I'm, I'm just curious. Or they like the thrill of the chase. Why they put it in two trash bags instead of one. Like, what what was going on, you know? Odd. Um, in 2014, so this is 14 years later. 2014, Aisha's case started to get some attention again. Nothing happened after they found that, that um, backpack. Donald Ferguson was arrested and somehow he started getting linked to Aisha's case. Donald was arrested for a case he committed in 1990. So the year that Aisha was born. So this would have been 10 years difference. Um, in 1990, a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old girl, Shalanda Poole, went missing and was found the following day at a nearby elementary school. She was sexually assaulted, stabbed and strangled. Her case was unsolved for 24 years, but in 2014, the DNA on her body actually came back and matched Donald. So Donald actually knew the Poole family and helped in the search parties like they always do, right? They always fucking do. Of course. (laughs) He was reportedly actually in North Carolina near Asia's general area when she went missing. So this is kind of why he was in question. Um, People were trying to connect them because the girls were a similar age, but there was no link between Donald and Aisha like there would have been between Donald and Shalanda. Nothing ever came of this potential connection. So it's, so no one knows why she actually left the house that night. 
Some people think it could be related to just big emotions, being 10 and, you know, having these big emotions and not knowing how to deal with them. Her uh, basketball team actually recently lost a really big, important basketball game. Um, and she apparently was like the star of the team and she had to actually sit out of that game and, and she felt really guilty, almost like if I would have played, like would they have won, whatever. Uh, some people think that she was inspired by a book that she was reading about a runaway in a, in a similar-ish situation, very similar ages kind of thing. Both parents took polygraph tests actually, and they both passed. So at first they obviously started looking into the parents and the family and stuff, and there was no red flags for any of them. For sure. In 2015, the FBI announced that they were reinvestigating the case. And they posted a $45,000 prize for any information leading to the whereabouts and arrest slash conviction of the person who had something to do with this. A tip came in in 2016 that said Asia was seen getting into a dark green Lincoln Continental or a Ford Thunderbird near where she was last seen on Route 18 the night she disappeared. So it was a dark colored either Lincoln or Thunderbird. Apparently they look pretty similar. Um, the car was older, so from the 70s-ish, and had rust, so very distinctive vehicle. The FBI did think that this was a credible enough lead to announce it, but nothing ever came of it actually. Um, in 2017, the FBI assembled the um, CIRG response group, which is the critical incident response group, in Asia's case, and this was to investigate her disappearance, but nothing has changed even after 300 plus interviews and all the tips that came in. And still to this day, 20 plus, 20 years plus some months later, Asia unfortunately is still missing and we're not super sure what happened to her. Nothing has came of it. Wild. It's so insane to me that a person can just like be completely missing you know what I mean like that's heavy terrifying terrifying heavy imagine and then just like to know that your child could have just left willingly oh my god I would die I would be so sad we will link the um I guess contact information for anything if anyone knows about the case I don't imagine our one listener does. I hope not, at least, just because um, I would imagine you killed her if you did. No, but <laughs> um, we will link it. <laughs> and if you want to clear your conscience, there you go. Now's your we, chance. We got you. <laughs> I got you. Just <laughs> we'll, fucking do it. <laughs> we'll give you an NTI pop shirt if you. But don't wear it if you actually did something to her because we don't like you. I mean, if it gets you to confess, my dude. Facts. I'll give it to you. But just know that we don't like you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I feel for her family and I can't imagine involved. having just having no answers. That's terrifying. I think that's probably the scariest part. Yeah, especially after 20 years. I mean, there's some pictures that have been generated of like what she would look like now and stuff like that. It's so I couldn't imagine um losing my child missing no answers but then seeing a picture of what they probably would have looked like today like that probably hit them like a ton of bricks it right. just emotionally and it's a lot um 
not that that means anything, but um, yeah. So thanks, all you cool cats and kittens. See you later. Thanks for hanging with us. We hope you join us every Monday for our weekly episode. And as an added bonus, we've deemed the first Sunday of every month as Serial Killer Sunday. So you can look forward to an extra long episode about our favorite serial killers once a month. Go follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Naptime Investigations or Twitter at NTIPod. If you want us to cover one of your favorite cases, please send your case suggestions to naptimeinvestigations at gmail.com or via the case suggestion link in our Instagram bio. As always, we hope you enjoy this episode and thanks for joining this party.